Some breaking news with the start of phase two. New guidance from the state allows breweries, wineries and distilleries to reopen. The guidance allows them to open because they produce beverages for sale off premises. Bars are still closed. Many swimming pools are also allowed to reopen this weekend just in time for the big holiday. WRO's Leslie Moreno has what you need to know before swimming around others. This week, Governor Cooper announced that in phase two, swim clubs may open and operate at 50% capacity starting on May 23rd. Cary Park Swim Club is among those reopening. We're also very nervous because there are a lot of new policies and procedures that we need to implement and we need to count on our members to be responsible. Even with the announcement, Derek Wall, whose company manages dozens of local pools, says only 10% of pools he manages will reopen this weekend. If pool owners, you know, weren't already, you know, planning for an anticipated opening, it would be, you know, difficult to pull it all together at the last minute. For those heading to the pool, your experience may look and feel a bit different. At Cary Park, pool furniture has been set six feet apart. They're also encouraging hand washing and facial covering when outside of the water. The club is also keeping track at the entrance. Once they've reached 100 visitors, people can choose to wait outside until they can come in. The capacity of our lap pool is 30 people in the pool at a time. And for our zero entry pool, it's 17 people in the pool at a time. So we need people to be responsible and to respect that. At Seven Oaks Pool and Raleigh Management is also following very strict rules including reserve time slots to manage capacity, multiple 30-minute sanitation rounds, limited tables and designated areas for different pool activities. Many pools will also be closing their water slides to avoid the risk of infection. Pool owners recommend children use their own water toys and avoid sharing with others. Many of the pool managers tell me their main goal is to get through the summer without anyone being infected with COVID-19. Of course, to do that, they need to make sure everyone is following the rules and taking them seriously. Leslie Moreno, WRAL News, Cary. Well, barber shops and salons are certainly going to be go-to spots this holiday weekend. WREL's Kirsten Gutierrez is joining us live from Von Keckel in North Raleigh. I know a couple of hours ago at 5 o'clock they had customers. I can see in the mirror there behind you, they're still working. David, they're still working, and like you know, because you get your hair cut here, this is a familiar sight, and we haven't seen it in more than two months, but we see some customers walking in with their masks, and before they come in, they have to get their temperature checked. All staff and clients have to do that, and they're also signing a waiver and have to wear a mask. Now, staff is taking it a step further with gloves and a face shield on top of their mask and plexiglass at the front desk to keep customers safe. Now, everyone we talk to in here says they just are excited to have a little bit of normalcy back in their lives and feel safe in the salon. Another thing that they're doing different is they're not doing blow dries until the next phase. They say that's a cut on cut down on the time you have to spend in the salon and around other people and to avoid spreading germs. Now to keep social distancing, they are using half the chairs and everything is by appointment only. And I'll tell you what, it has been busy. The phones have been ringing off the hook, as you can see to my left here, uh, since we got here and since they got that announcement on Wednesday. They are booked not only at this location here in Raleigh, but also in Cary, booked solid until July. So if you need your haircut, you might want to pick up that phone and make it because everything is booking up pretty quick here in Raleigh. Back to you, David. Kirsten Gutierrez live in North Raleigh. Kirsten, thank you. 
Late this afternoon, we learned of several new cases of COVID-19 at assisted living facilities in Wilson County. 24 residents and 18 staff members at Wilson House tested positive. At the Longleaf Neuromedical Treatment Center, there are 22 residents and 22 staffers infected. Nearly half of the nursing homes in America had problems containing infections before COVID-19. The Government Accountability Office released a report this week which found 48% were deficient in infection prevention and control in one or more years from 2013 to 2017. The GAO report calls this an indicator of persistent problems and found that staff didn't regularly wash their hands, isolate sick residents, or use masks or PPE before the pandemic. In North Carolina, 64 of the 407 nursing homes surveyed fell under this category, which is just under 16%. WRL's data trackers report shows cases at long-term facilities make up nearly 18% of all laboratory confirmed cases and more than half of the total deaths in our state. Don Taylor is with Duke University. He's an expert on nursing homes and elder care. He joins us live tonight to discuss these findings and other issues in nursing homes. Don, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. In your most recent publication out today, you said that we won't get a handle on the pandemic in our state or even the nation until we can control it in our nursing homes. You call them wells of infection. Can you speak more about this and what you think needs to be done to make them safer? Uh, yes, um, the, the pandemic continues apace in nursing homes. Uh, less than 1% of the population lives there. As you said, 20% of the cases are occurring in nursing homes and more than half the deaths. And the way to think about uh, the risk of nursing homes are you have workers who are there. Those workers themselves are at risk of occupational exposure, but they are also a risk to bring infection with COVID-19 into the nursing home, as well as to take it out of the nursing home. Um, you also have patients who are transferred from hospitals for short-term nursing stays, or excuse me, short-term rehab stays, who are typically in the same facility with long-stay patients. So unless we have a comprehensive um, and repetitive testing of workers and residents, I don't think we're gonna get uh, control of, uh, of the pandemic. Well, so, in your, so I'm, I'm assuming that in your opinion, we're not doing enough in nursing homes in North Carolina. Well, I think that the, the United States is not doing enough. We don't have a federal testing policy. We have um, excess capacity, but in some places, uh, labs are worried about getting paid. Um, I think first we need the federal government to basically guarantee money for testing. Um, that needs to then uh, be passed down to states like North Carolina to organize testing programs. And then there needs to be private public partnerships and universities uh, to work with uh, nursing homes to uh, implement testing programs, but also to collect evidence to figure out how to do it. What types of tests, how often the tests should be done, all those things are questions that we need to know the answers to. So um, I think that we need a comprehensive national strategy and federal money with state um, you know, ability to decide exactly how to implement. Don, this is personal for you. How did your experience change your view on what's happening in our nursing homes? Um, well, you know, I've had a lot of experience. My my mom lives in a uh, in, in a care facility in in Cary, and uh, I tell you, um, the unsung heroes of the pandemic are people that um, 
you know, work uh, with with older citizens. Um, these are women almost always, um, often immigrants, most of them um, black or brown. Um, many of them, uh, they are considered essential, which they are, but they're underpaid. Um, and what I've come to realize is those women who show up every single day, they are really important in determining how well my mother is able to live. So, um, th this is a important issue. Um, and I think it's very important to realize that these workers are at risk themselves in addition to being a risk for, for, for infection. So we don't need to blame them. We need to support them with testing and PPE and paid time off. Don, one more question real quickly. When this pandemic became a reality, did you and your family ever consider removing your mother from that facility? Uh, actually, my, my sister and my mom uh, had, a, had a discussion about that. Were they going to take my mom to, to live with my sister? And, and we decided no, uh, because the, the place uh, she is has, has cared well for her. Um, I was impressed with their early adoption of um, so, so some rules to uh, try to deal with the, the pandemic. And, mm -hmm. and in the end, um, we, we felt like that was still the best place for her. But um, the, the, the problem with any place that you have uh, congregated many elderly people with underlying conditions, it's like dry kindling waiting for a spark. And, um, you, you know, the COVID-19 epidemic didn't create the problems in that system. It just has exposed them and laid mm -hmm. them bare. We wish your mother the best and your family. Don Taylor with the Sanford School of Public Policy. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. You can see the same trends for yourself. Just search data trackers on WRAL.com. And while the world waits for a coronavirus vaccine, there's a new warning from the CDC. New parents may be overlooking. Do not skip your vaccines. In fact, there's concern over a potential measles outbreak. The former president of the American Pediatric Association joins us live to discuss this and the mystery childhood illness associated with COVID-19 now showing up in North Carolina. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News. Earlier this week, the state of North Carolina confirmed the first known case of MISC, the mystery illness in children, possibly linked to COVID-19. It's just one of the concerns all parents need to keep an eye on. And joining us now to discuss this is the former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. David Taylor, also the founder of Goldsboro Pediatrics. Dr. Dave, thanks for talking with us. I'll get to vaccinations in just a moment, Dave, but first, this mystery illness, MISC, what do you make of this and what are you telling parents who might be concerned? Well, we see something called Kawasaki syndrome and have seen it for a long time. And it's usually young children with high fever that's unexplained. And then their eyes get really bloodshot and they often get a rash. And we know that those children need a careful evaluation in an academic medical center where there's a pediatric cardiologist because they often have coronary artery aneurysms at, at young ages. So I don't think pediatricians will miss this as long as the patients realize if their children have high fever, get to a pediatrician uh, or your usual family physician. And then the only thing we'll add to what we've been doing is the COVID-19 workup to see if these are kids who are having the Kawasaki syndrome 
I think we'll treat them the same way with uh, hospitalization and careful observation, usually in an intensive care unit for children, and the cardiologist will will consult. So uh, it's it's worrisome, and we have had the case reported in North Carolina, but I, I don't think we're going to miss this. Uh, Dr. Taylor, you have long been an advocate and a strong voice nationwide regarding vaccinations, that you're concerned about parents not allowing their children to be vaccinated. And now the numbers are down in some places by as much as 90%. CDC is warning of a possible measles outbreak. Uh, for a family that may be putting this off, what do you say to them? Well, most of us family docs and pediatricians who, who have uh, children for patients, we have marked off office hours for well children like all morning in all our offices. And just in the afternoons, we see sick patients in two of our four offices. So we're being very careful to make ourselves user-friendly and to let our patients know through our websites and Facebook pages and so forth that if their child has fever, they are not to get out of the car. They're to come to the office call our number on the cell phone and we send a nurse out to evaluate. So we're trying, and I think we're doing a good job. I'm on a conference call every night with the state pediatricians, and I think our offices are safe. And so far, the COVID-19 has not been rampant in children. But yes, if your measles rate of immunization drops below 90%, you're at risk for an epidemic. And the same is, through, is true of whooping cough. And I mentioned those two diseases because they're the most contagious diseases that we protect children from. And they're devastating to really young children or children with special needs or immune deficiencies or malnutrition. So we're trying to really encourage our patients, our parents to bring their children in for their well child checks with immunization so that we don't have another epidemic on top of COVID-19. Dr. Dave Taylor, former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, we appreciate your time and expertise. Hope you have a great holiday weekend. Thanks for making us your choice for news. Have a great night and a great holiday weekend.